0: thank you for this day. We thank you for the truth of your word that has been sung this morning, that you alone are God, and that you are God alone. And we pray now, God, as your word goes forth, that it will find fertile ground in our hearts and minds so that we would be more than just hearers of your word. Help us to be doers as well. May you be glorified in all that we do and all that we say. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, and all of God's people said amen. What is the mission of the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church? The mission speaks to God's fundamental and foundational plan for his church, and in actuality, the mission of the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church should be transferable to any Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, preaching, and practicing church. But as I was thinking about today's message, I was wondering for how many of you is the mission of the church your personal life mission? Now, the reason I ask that question is because Many times when we talk about an organization, we hide in the plural pronouns of us and we and them and what all of us should do. And we project upon that plural pronoun a kind of anonymity in terms of our own responsibility to become active participators to make it happen. In other words, when we talk about... This is what the church should be doing. We're really thinking in our minds, this is what y'all should be doing. Because I separate myself as an individual from the church that is responsible to do what God has called it to do. It's kind of like talking about the church and not understanding that when you talk about the church, you're really talking about yourself because you are the church. You know, if I started talking about Pastor D.Z. Cofield, the good old missionary Baptist church, and I started talking about him like he had a tail, somebody would walk up and say, man, he sure don't like Pastor Cofield. And somebody else might say, yeah, that's strange since that's him. <laughs> right? Somebody would look at kind of, man, that Cofield, man, that, man, he can't preach, he can't teach. Hey, man, he just, man, I don't even like him, man. He just, he just, man, crazy dude and whatnot. i say, aren't you him? Yeah, that's my point. That's exactly right, well, when you start talking about the church, you know, like the church should be doing this. church should be doing this. You know, the church should be doing more to help. Like, well, you're just talking about yourself. Because you are the church. So when we talk about the mission of the church, what we're really talking about is this your mission for life and living. And if this is not your life mission then maybe you need to find a church whose mission aligns with your life. If you're not going to align your life with the mission of the organization that you are a part of. Today, for a few moments, I want to talk to you from the thought, becoming a mission-driven Christian. What does it mean to become a mission-driven Christian? If I asked you right now, what is your mission for life? What would be your answer? Sadly, I think the majority of you wouldn't have an answer to give because you really haven't thought through what the mission of your life is. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? Amen. If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. So today I want us to begin with understanding what the mission statement is of the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church. Now, I want us to recite it for those of you who are auditory learners. I want you to see it for those of you who are visual learners, and I want you to write it for those of you who are tactile or kinesthetic learners. In other words, I want to give you every opportunity to get this mission into your spirit so you understand what our church is all about, and you understand, even more importantly, what you should be about. Here we go. Fill in the blanks where appropriate. The Good Old Missionary Baptist Church will love God, love all people, and change the world in order to make disciples of Jesus Christ. The Good Old Missionary Baptist Church will love God, will love all people, and change the world in order to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, for you, Today, I'm challenging you to personalize this so that by the end of this message, you should be saying, I will love God, love all people, and change the world in order to make disciples of Jesus Christ. So nobody will be able to hide behind the plural pronoun or that third person conversation about the church. And you will embrace the fact that this is your message and this is your life mission. Here's the first thing. Number one, in order to become a mission driven Christian here at this church, you must commit to loving God. You must commit to loving God. One of the scribes comes up to Jesus and says to Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all the commandments? There were Jews who would argue every day. Over the 613 thou shalt and thou shalt not's to discuss which was the most important, which was the weightier, which was the greatest of these commandments. So they decided they would bring Jesus into the conversation. This rabbi from Galilee is standing there. What's your opinion on which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, the most important is hero Israel. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one and you shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Every place in verse 30, I want you to circle the word all. There's a totality of love that God expects from you and from me. God is not interested in being a part time lover. God does not share. God wants it all he says I want all your heart all your soul all your mind and all your strength now here's what's interesting many of us get confused and many of us experience broken hearts in this world because we attempt to give to people what was only intended for God See, you think if I give a man all my love or I give a woman all my love, they are obligated to appreciate it and reciprocate it. And what we fail to realize is that all of our love, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength was only to be given to God. So when you have a temporal being who cannot appreciate divine love, how can you get mad when it was never intended for them in the first place? God says, that's my love. How you going to give all of my love to somebody else and it was never intended for them? And then get mad at them when they don't appreciate it. So let me ask you, as you get ready for this year and get ready for the next part of your life, the next chapter of your life, the next moment of your life, are you willing to make more of a commitment of who you are to God than you have in the past? You see, the truth of the matter is we want more from God than we're willing to give to God. And many times we want to bargain and say to God, God, if you do this, then I'll do that. And God says, no. You can't beat me giving, but you always have to pay up front. God doesn't give in order to get from you because he's already given to you more than you could ever give to him. Uh-huh. Your giving to him is just a proper response for what God has already done. Here's the second thing number two, you must commit to loving all people. You must commit to loving all people people in Mark 12 verse 31 Jesus continues his answer to the scribe and he says the second is this you shall love your neighbor as yourself there is no other commandment greater than these you shall love your neighbor as yourself now the question that was asked throughout scripture and was asked among those scribes is who is my neighbor Is it limited to proximity or geographic location? Is it limited to like-mindedness or like ethnicity? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus lays out who our neighbor is by basically saying everyone. In John chapter 13, look at A. He wants us to love other believers. He says, listen, if there's anybody you should be able to love is folk who love me. Even if they don't love me the way they should. The fact that they say they love me, there ought to be some common ground that you ought to be able to find between you. In other words, church folk ought to be able to love one another. The issues of gossip and slander and lies should not be present and or prevalent amongst the people of God. Look at what he says. Verse 34, John 13. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You want to know the standard? Just like I loved you. That's how you are to love one another. But he doesn't stop there. Because Jesus says, not only should you love your fellow believers, but B, he says you should love your enemies. You have heard that it was said, verse 43, Matthew 5, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Somebody said out. See, you was feeling me on that love other believers. I got to work on it a little bit, Pastor, but, you know, I'm pretty good there. But then as the Holy Spirit started bringing back to your remembrance some folk who are enemies, uh, another translation of that word enemy would be hater. Somebody who would plot, plan, and rather see your downfall. Than you being built up, the adversary, the person who wants to see your destruction. And as the Holy Spirit brings that person to your mind, God says, yeah, that person. That's the person that I command you to love. Now, here's the challenge with loving all people. All people are not lovable. Like most of us will say, Jesus... I have no problem with this command to love everybody if everybody was like me. (laughs) Here's why it's so challenging to love everybody. Because most times we try to love people out of a place that doesn't have a capacity to love beyond its own self-interest. See, most times when we think about loving somebody, it comes out of a place of our flesh. It comes out of a place of what we like, what we prefer, what we enjoy. This kind of love is a divine love, right? It's a love that loves people not because they deserve it, but because they need it. It's a love that loves people at their worst and loves people into becoming their best. That's the love that God showed to us. And God says, that's the love I need you to show to other people. Why? Because many people who never read the Bible will read you. Many people who will never understand my love for them will only experience my love for them through you. You are my arms. You are my hands. You are my feet. You are my mouthpiece. So if people are going to receive God's love, they will receive it through God's people. And you can't discriminate to whom God's love goes. Because the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When you look at that story of the good Samaritan, man, that Samaritan loved the person he was not expected to love, that he was not required to love, but he loved anyway. And Jesus told that story to show the power of love and the responsibility that we have to love other people. So here's basically what Jesus says. If you can't love other believers and you can't love your enemies, then the love of God is really not in you. Because you are trying to love out of your flesh instead of loving out of the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in you. You ought to be having some Holy Spirit moments in your life. Watch this. Where your flesh is surprised at what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. I'm talking about some of those moments when you like stepped out of yourself and go, I'm proud of you. Because you know the old you would have went off, but you you did so well. And before you take any credit for it, you better say, you know what? To God be the glory. Because it was was nothing but the Holy Ghost all, all up in here, right? Go to the third thing. Number three. You must commit to changing the world. You must commit to changing the world. In Acts 17, beginning at verse 6, the Bible says, And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. Now, the men that they could not find were Paul and Silas. And the Bible says Paul and Silas had a reputation. They had a reputation for starting stuff. They were bringing a revolutionary thought to the men and women of that day. That you can be better. That God loves you. That God has a desire to have a relationship with you and that relationship will be facilitated through his son, Jesus Christ. And that Jesus wants to be the head of your life and the king of your life and the ruler of your life. Uh And the message of the cross was counter to the message of the world. And because that message was revolutionary and because that message was counter to the world, those who were observing were upset. They were angry, they were mad because they were changing the status quo. So we have a situation going on now in our area with the Houston Independent School Districts and students generationally failing, and schools underperforming for generations. And it's amazing how people have come together, some demanding that TEA is sued. Let's sue the Texas Education Agency. Now, HISD has been in charge of the education of our kids since the year of our Lord. TEA hasn't been involved in anything. Nobody's talking about suing HISD. They won't sue TEA for coming in. Here's the question. Who benefits from things staying the way they are? Who benefits from the status quo staying in place? People who benefit from the status quo. Listen, there's an old saying in Jamaica that bad times are good times for somebody. Some people like bad times because it's good times for them. Somebody is benefiting from kids generationally failing and schools generationally failing and children of color being undereducated, underperforming, and virtually unemployable. So who benefits from it staying the way it is? Now, listen to me carefully, because some of you may be saying, what What does this have to do with me? Watch this. We have been called to be change agents. Salt changes things when it shows up. Light changes things when it shows up. Uh, Some of you know I used to scuba dive a lot and people would ask me how deep I had gone basically looking at depth and thinking depth of dive equals quality of dive. Well, the deeper you go, the further away you get from light. And the further away you get from light, everything looks the same. So even when you dive deep, the only way you can appreciate what you are in the midst of is to pull out a flashlight, an underwater flashlight, turn the light on, and everything that looks a monotone blue, all of a sudden, when you put light on it, you start seeing the reds and the yellows and the oranges and the greens. You start seeing vibrant colors that were absent the presence of light. God has called you and called me to be a change agent. Now watch this. The first place you got to start changing is in you. See, it's amazing how easy we find it to check somebody else and get somebody else straight and can't check ourselves. And sometimes we reject what somebody else is saying to us about because we don't hear God speaking through them. See, sometimes the best word you can get is a word that you don't want to hear, but you need to hear. See, see a real friend is going to tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. A loving spouse is going to tell you what you need to hear, and not just what you want to hear. People who care about you are going to tell you what you need to hear and not just what you want to hear. And sometimes you got to learn how to hear God speaking even through your friends. And sometimes you got to learn how to hear God speaking even through your enemies. So you change the world by first allowing God to change you, and then you help change the lives of other people. It's, it's that word of encouragement. I was coming back from Cuba, and I flew through Fort Lauderdale Southwest Airlines, and I'm coming through, and I ran into a guy who saw that I had some trouble coming out of the country this time. And it really wasn't a big deal. But in Cuba, everything can become a big deal, right? So, you know, I had to keep my calm and everything, and it was, it was all good. So he saw me in the office when they pulled me in. Um, I had some Cuban currency, and I found out the hard way that you can't take Cuban currency out of the country, and so they just took my money. <laughs> and I was like, well, I can spend it in duty-free, you know, and they were like, no, it's ours. And then it took them an hour and a half to count the money like five people accounted five times, and I'm like, can I go catch my flight? So anyway, guy saw me back there, so I run into him after we're going through customs. He said, yeah, man, I saw you, you had some problems there. I said, yeah, man, he took my money with it. Yeah, it happened to me too, you know, and I'm Cuban, you know. <laughs> He's like, I go every month. They took mine, I was like, wow, okay. And I started telling him some of the things that we were doing in Cuba partnerships that we were developing. And he said to me, uh, he said, thank you for helping my people. His family came to America on the Mariel boat lift years ago. His grandfather led the family out of Cuba. But he said, thank you. And, And I was thinking how providential that thank you was. Because I'm gonna be honest with you, there was a moment when I was in that office with security, and they were like, "You know, siéntese." I was like, "No, nah, I ain't sitting down." <laughs> <laughs> and the lady looked up, you know, they all like about that tall, and she looked up, and she told the supervisor that I wasn't gonna sit down. I'm like, "No, nah, I don't feel like sitting down. Like I'm too hot. I don't feel like sitting down." And the Holy Ghost had to remind me. I nah, you need know, you're in the country, you know what I mean. Deacon Adams was standing outside like I ain't going back to the U.S. without you pastor you know what I mean I show up they would be like how you leave, pastor over there right (laughs) but we change others by first allowing God to change us that we become change agents in the world here's the fourth and final thing Number four, you must commit to making disciples. You must commit to making disciples. You must commit to making disciples. What does that mean? Well, in Matthew 28, we have what scholars have called the Great Commission. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That phrase make disciples comes from the Greek word matateo, and it literally means To disseminate information with the goal of creating life transformation. That you become a replica of the one who is discipling you. Now listen to me carefully, and I might need to add this at the end of number four. Maybe you should add, you must commit to making disciples for Jesus Christ. So write that in, for Jesus Christ. And the reason I say that is because People disciple people all the time. They just don't always disciple people for Jesus. See, if I'm a hustler and I'm recruiting some kids to hustle for me and move some product for me and I start telling them how to look out for the police and where to hide their stash and how to get their money before they give up the product, I'm discipling that child. Are you following me? Every one of you has been discipled in your life, but not necessarily for Jesus Christ. That's not the way you wear your tie. Come here, let me show you how to wear your tie. That's a discipling moment. No, you don't, no, you don't wear those outfits together. No, that no, you need proper undergarments. This is, a, this is what you need to wear. This is Come on, I'm going to take you shopping. I'm going to show you how to buy. That's a discipling moment. Everybody following me? That's a discipling moment. Uh And so the question is, what are you going to disciple people to do or to become? And will you spend time investing in people, helping people grow to become more and more like Jesus and less and less like you or like who they presently are? It's in the imperative mood, which means what? It's a command. Jesus is not asking. He's commanding. He says, make disciples. Remember what I told you. There's only two kinds of people in the world. A, people who need Jesus, and B, people who know Jesus. Look at it again. A, people who need Jesus, and B, people who know Jesus. There's only two kinds of people. Either people need them or they know them. If they need them, they need to know them. And if they know them, they need to grow in them. Which one are you? Are you a person who needs Jesus or are you a person who knows Jesus? And if you need them, then you need to know them today. If you know them, then you need to make a better commitment to grow in him. Look at John 15, 8. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. Here's what I need you to do. Fill this word in. Remember, you become what you are committed to. You become what you are committed to. So if you are committed to nothing, guess what you're on your way to? Most people fail in life, not because they don't have talent, not because they don't have ability, not because they don't have gifts, not because they don't have skills. It's because they lack commitment. They quit too soon. They leave too many blessings on the table. They lack spiritual intensity and fortitude. They quit. No, not they quit. You quit. If you want to become all that God wants you to be, the question is, are you willing to make the commitment to get there? Because this is not about what the church is supposed to be. This is really about what you are going to be. So one more time, for the sake of multiple learning styles and to help you in your memory. Look at the mission statement of the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church. Don't go back to the beginning. Go back to the end. Go to the end. You got to fill it in again. Come on. See if you you can fill it in better this time. The Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church will love God, love all people, and change the world in order to make disciples of Jesus Christ. All right? Let's say it together. The Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church will love God, Love all people and change the world in order to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I need you to do put parentheses around the and church, or you can even scratch a line through it and change it to I. Now, let's read this together I will love God, love all people, and change the world in order to make disciples. You know, y'all were quieter on that eye than you were on the good Some of y'all are like, Pastor, I ain't ready to make that level of commitment right now. You know what I'm saying? Had a rough day yesterday. I'm trying to work through some things. I'm going to get there eventually. Guess what? You can't get there until you first start on your way to getting there. Let's read it one more time. See if you can read it a little more enthusiastically. I will love God, love all people, and change the world in order to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Let all the people of God say amen. Father, we bless you. Father, we thank you. I thank you for your patience with us. And I thank you, God, that we are in the process of becoming who you want us to be. Keep us on the journey. Keep us on the path of making the commitment to you and renewing our commitment to fulfill our potential in you. We thank you, God. We love you. And we ask your blessings. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.